Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians. Stay standing. I'm going to seat you in just a moment, but let's just get right on it while I have you standing. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. This is going to be our launching ground for this series, Teach Us to pray and it's a very short passage of scripture i'll read from my bible if you have your bibles you can follow along if you don't have a bible you can just follow along on the screens and it says as follows always be joyful never stop praying be thankful in all circumstances for this is god's will for you who belong to christ jesus it's so short i can repeat it always be joyful never stop praying And be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I want you to close your Bibles and join me. We're going to pray not just for this sermon, but we're also going to pray for those that have been affected by these tragedies in Ohio and in Texas. Let's pray together. Father, the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, because you have brought us here. We've worshiped you, and God, we have felt your spirit moving already in this room. God, I believe you've already healed hearts. God, I believe you've already loosened chains. God, I believe you've already done a work that only the Holy Spirit can do in this house. And now, Father, as we give an ear to hear your word today, I pray that as I, that as I speak, that you would do what only you can do. Only you can set the captives free. Only you can destroy the yokes. Only you can break strongholds. Only you can heal the sick father so i pray that you use my words but more importantly that i would not get in the way of what you're doing today and father we also want to pause and just pray for all of those that have been affected in texas and in ohio by this senseless tragedy and god at this moment they don't need answers what they need is comfort and at this moment god i just pray that you comfort them i pray that you bring them peace i pray god for every hurting family for every person that is having to face another day, Lord God, without people that they love the most and care for the most. God, I believe that this country needs healing. This land needs healing. Father, we believe that you can do it. So heal our land today. Bring comfort today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Would you clap your hands one last time? I want to talk to you off of this thought that I believe is really going to set us up for the next few weeks. It's really simple. Two words, pray first. Would you look at your neighbor and tell them, pray first? Pray first. So we are entering together into a season of prayer. It's going to be combined with both campuses, North County campus, South County campus. But if you follow churches on social media, you've probably noticed that there's a whole lot of churches at this time of the year that are going into this season of prayer. And you, you might be asking, well, well, why the effort? Why the push? Yeah, I don't know if you know this, but one, we're one month closer to Christmas. Come on, if you went to Hobby Lobby, you probably already saw the Christmas wrapping out there, okay? They're getting started really early. Um, But we are now um, entering the eighth month of the year, so we are past the halfway mark, and we are now literally on a downward slide to Christmas. But it is a great chance and a great opportunity to really recalibrate our hearts as we enter into now the second half of the year. And so we're excited to dig into prayer, and my hope today is that I'm going to give you some tools. I want to send you out of here with some tools that is going to make your prayer life more effective. So I apologize in advance. I may not hoop and holler a whole 
whole lot, but this might be one of the most important things I could do as your pastor here at this church, that I teach you how to pray, okay? Because I could preach you into a frenzy, and I would love to do that, but if you don't get this piece, you're missing out on a very important piece, and that is learning how to pray. There is probably nothing more important that I could teach you as your pastor than to teach you how to pray. And so as we enter into this season, not only going to give you some tools that are going to equip you how to pray, but I'm also going to challenge you and stretch you that you would find a way to carve out time. We start tomorrow that, that, that you find a way to dedicate more time for prayer. Would you say more time? One of the things that I'm going to be doing, and this is what I'm going to be doing. You don't have to do this, but this is to let you know where I am going with this. Not only am I going to enter into a time of more prayer, but I'm going to shut down social media. I'm going to shut down the IG. I'm going to shut down the Facebook. I'm going to shut that all down. And I'm just going to really, really use my time to, I'm going to redeem the time and, and use more of my time to seek God. Use more of my time to listen to his voice. I want to shut down the noise. I want to shut down the distractions and do what I have to do to not just pray, but also to hear. Because prayer is not just talking to God. It's also hearing from God. A lot of times we go into prayer with a whole lot to say, but not a whole lot to listen to. And God doesn't want us to just put our requests in, but he wants to put his in request to you as well. He's got things that he wants to say to you as well. Now, I'm not saying that the formula for hearing God is to block all out social media, but that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to compel you and urge you to do something for yourself. You might have to turn off Netflix for a little while. That might be a good thing to let go of for some of you that like to binge. I'm sorry if I caught you right in the middle of Stranger Things 3. But, uh, it, you know, it, the sun, when sun sets, start your fast, so get it in after church, all right? Um, but whatever it is, whatever God is leading you to do, um, I'd ask that you join me. And let's take the next 21 days and let's really seek God. Does that sound good? Let's do that as a community. So the first thing that I want you to write down is that prayer really should be our first option, but too many people make it our last resort. Prayer should be our first option, but too many people make it your last resort. Why is it that we only turn to God in prayer when all hell has broken loose in our life? Why is it that we only go to God in prayer when things are broken in our lives? Why is it that we only go to God in prayer when we are in great need? This is why I haven't called this sermon Pray First, because we have got to make that shift, not just in our mind, but in the way that we act as Christians, that prayer must be our first priority. Everybody say priority. I learned this tough lesson from my pastor, Pastor Sam. He says this, your priorities are a reflection of your values. Your priorities are a reflection of what's important to you. So when you say, I don't have time, it's not that you don't have time. It's that you don't value it enough. Because you will always make time for the things that you value. If it's important to you, you will make a way. You all know what I'm talking about. We might say, I don't have time, but, but most of the time, most instances, it's not that you don't have time, it's that it is not important enough to you. And because it is not important enough to us, we use the excuse that I don't have time. But I don't have any more time than you have. I have 24 hours in a day just like you have 24 hours in a day. I have 168 hours in a week just like you have 168 hours in a week. So don't tell me you don't have time. Tell me that you have not found the value in it yet. 
And so we have got to figure out how to find value in praying. This passage of scripture that I read at Thessalonians, if you're like me, you grew up listening to the King James version of the scriptures. And it said in the New Living Translation, never stop praying. But I grew up hearing pray without ceasing. How many of you learned the Bible that way? How many learned the verse that way? Pray without ceasing. And I'd be like, how do I do that? I mean, how do I literally pray without stopping? But, but this was such a priority to the writer of this letter to the church in Thessalonica. The writer is Paul. When he said pray without ceasing, he follows that up by saying, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And there are so many people that get lost and confused about the will of God when the Bible tells us exactly what God's will is for our lives. And God's will for your life is that you always be joyful and that you pray without ceasing. Look at your neighbor and tell them, never stop praying. And you might be thinking, How do, do I just literally walk around speaking in other tongues, eyes closed, not paying attention to the road when I'm driving? That's not what I'm saying. But when prayer has become a priority in your life, you are putting it in the spot that it must be at in your life. When you have made prayer a priority and not your last resort, you are beginning to live out what it means to pray without ceasing and this is God's will for us who are believers listen you may not have heard it this way but God needs for you to pray God needs for you to pray it's not just for you it's a need for this world God needs you to pray and that's why we're going to talk about prayer and figure it out and learn how to do it and unpack all of this but I want to take you to 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 and give you another perspective on prayer 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 verse 13 and we'll put that verse up there for you God's speaking um, and he's talking to his people he says when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people and this is the key passage of scripture right here. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. You know what it says there? It's saying I need the church to start praying so that God can start healing the land. Notice that he didn't say, I need the church to start praying so that I can hook them up with some off-white sneakers. Notice that he didn't say, I need the church to start praying so I can hook them up with a spouse. It doesn't say, I need the church to start praying so that I can hook them up with the Rolls Royce and a, and, and a big home uh, right, on the, right, on the, the, right on the cliffs of, of Solana Beach. That's, that's not what it says. Can I give you the perspective that part of the reason that God needs for us to pray is because he's trying to heal our land, but there's not enough people that care enough to pray for the land because we're too busy praying for what we want. We're too busy praying for what we think we need. We're too busy trying to get all of our big needs met as though God is some genie just waiting for you to just rub him the right way so he can rain down blessings. He's saying when the, when the world gets bad enough, that's when I need you to really start praying so that I can heal your land. And we wake up this morning and I can't think of a time where we need to pray more. We wake up to senseless tragedy, and I can't think of a time where it is required for us as Christians to pray more. And he is saying, it's my will for you to pray, because when you pray, as you pray, I will begin to heal your land. Could it be that this country is waiting for the church to pray more? 
Could it be that our city is waiting for this church to pray more? Could it be that God is waiting for us to bring heaven down to earth for this lost, for this lost world to experience what we found in Christ? But he's waiting for us to pray about it. He's waiting for us to ask him for it. He's waiting for us to make it our duty to pray. Can I give you that perspective this morning, church? It's not always just about prayer for my personal benefit, but it's prayer for God's will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. It's praying God's agenda for this earth. And that's not to negate your purpose and plan here in this world. Trust me, God is so big that not only does he want this, not, not only does he want his will for this world to be fulfilled, but in, the, in, in parallel to all of that, he's going to help you fulfill your purpose for your life. But what would happen if we would take a moment and pause and begin to put the needs of this world ahead of ours and put the needs of this country ahead of ours? What would happen if we prayed God's will, not just for my life, but for my city? What would happen if we prayed for God's will, not just for my life and not just my marriage, but if we prayed for God's will for my community? What would happen if we came to God with that prayer? And so you might be asking myself, you, you might be saying, Pastor, I can barely find time to pray for myself. How in the world am I going to pray for other people? Let me give you some things that are going to help you with that. Number one, the effectiveness of prayer is in the consistency of prayer. Write that down. The effectiveness of prayer is in the consistency of prayer. You see, the consistency of prayer eliminates what I like to call catching up with God. How many of you catch up with friends that you haven't seen in a while? You haven't known what I'm talking about. When you see someone you've not seen in a minute and you get together, you fist bump, you hug them, maybe you bumped into them at a restaurant, maybe you saw them out about town. What happens when you see someone that you haven't talked to in quite a while? You catch up, don't you? You're talking about marriage. You're talking about work. You're talking about kids. You're talking about really a lot of the stuff that is it, it, superficial. We're just talking about life. Y'all get what I'm talking about so far? We're, we're, we're right here because we don't see each other enough. We, we, we haven't talked in quite a while. And, and because we don't have this consistent line of communication, all that we have time to do is to catch up. And because we don't have a consistent line of communication with God, the times that we do get together with God in prayer, we're having to catch up with him. We're just catching up. We're just scratching the surface of what's going on in your life. God wants to deep. God wants to dig deep into the things and the matters of what he wants to do with you. God wants to dig deep into the matters of what he's trying to do for your life. God wants to dig deep into your purpose. But we're still having to go back and talk about the bad day that you had yesterday. Or the bad month that you had last month. Or the bad year that you had last year. Because that's the last time you talked to him. And so when we come to God... It's a very superficial prayer because we're not consistent with him. My name is Pastor Josh, and I love you this morning. I love you. I really do. I'm trying to help you. I know this might feel a little heavy, but I want to help you. The effectiveness, is the effectiveness of prayer is found in the consistency of prayer. Because when you have an ongoing conversation with God, not only will it cause you to know more about God, but it's going to cause you to start to pray for more. Everybody say pray for more. Pray for more. When we don't have that consistent relationship with him, we'll always find ourselves scratching the surface of what is going on in our life. And God wants to know you intimately. God wants to know you intimately. All the married folk in the room, you know what I'm talking about. When you get together with your wife after you've been gone all day, 
it, 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 you get through the pleasantries pretty quickly, don't you? You, you got to get beyond that superficial stuff pretty quickly, don't you? There's not a whole lot of catching up to do because you have this consistent relationship with that person. And I believe that part of the reason that we're not praying for our country and the reason we're not praying for more is because when we get together with God, the only thing we can do is catch up with him. But what would happen if our prayers were no longer just about us? What would happen if we talked to God so consistently that our prayers now shifted to our city? That our prayers now shifted to our country? That our prayers now shifted to our children's schools? My wife said something a minute ago. I, I just about dropped the mic and ran the aisles. She said, not just that you would have an influence at your school, but that you would have a godly influence at your school. How many of you know that's a totally different influence? Can I brag on my wife for just a moment? Sorry. She, she hates this sort of stuff when I do it. But, but my wife, she, she started at a, a, a new school. She's a counselor, by the way. Um, so she works with children. And as a counselor, you can imagine um, when, when the, they send kids to the counselor's office, it's not because they're getting straight A's and everything's good at home. It's typically because she's got to do some digging and some excavating. But anyway, she's, she started a, a new job. And at her school, she, was, she began to shift the culture of her school. Because at her school, if you've ever been a part of a toxic organization, and I'm not saying her organization is toxic, but there was some symptoms when the leader would get into the room. Everyone was just like, oh, God, here comes the leader now. We got to listen to the leader. Have you ever worked in an environment like that where no one liked the boss? Um, I'm not saying that's exactly her situation, but, but she would notice that when they would do these all-staff meetings, the administrator would get up there and, and the room was so quiet. Well, because she's been in church um, and, and, doing, and doing church like the way we do church, and, and we like to have fun at church. How many like to have fun at church? How many believe that church should be enjoyed and not endured? So just like the way she made the announcements right now, she had to introduce the administrator at the school, and she introduced the administrator like she was introducing the preacher. She said, I want you to put your hands together as we receive the principal at this time. And everyone's like, okay. But, but she began to shift the culture, and it's changing in the school. And, and the, she's found so much favor with the administration because she's willing to bring influence. And this is influence that she's brought from here. I'm talking about godly influence. When everyone wants to create toxic culture, you're the one that's always going to choose joy. That's one of our values here at this church. We love God. We love people. We pursue excellence. But we will always choose joy. Everybody say joy. And because we always choose joy, it doesn't matter if people around us are toxic. We're always going to be joyful in spite of them. Amen? We will change the culture wherever we go. And, 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 and so and going back, I don't even know how I got there. I just love bragging on my wife. I talk about my wife, and next thing you know, I'm talking about values and joy. But we can shape this world. We were talking about godly influence. We can literally shape this world. And we start to detach from what we want. Watch this for a second. We start to detach from what we want, and we start to attach from what the to what the Father wants. That's what prayer time will do to you. It won't just be about what you want, okay? And I know you want the nice car, and I know you want the big house, and I know you want the good career. It's natural to want all of those things. And I'm not saying those are bad, but at some point, you spend enough time with God, and it's not, just, it's not just about what you want, but you begin to take on the heart of the Father. And your heart begins to break for the things that breaks his heart. 
And your heart begins to cry for the things that his heart cries for. And you begin to want the things that the Father wants. And so the effectiveness of prayer is in the consistency of prayer. The next thing I want you to write down is the depth of our prayer is in the depth of our relationship. The depth of our prayers is in the depths of our relationship. There are times when I might sit down and have a conversation with my wife in the evening. And we might start off at the superficial level. But there are times when I realize this moment is too valuable and this woman is too precious to my life to just have this surface level conversation. I had to go deeper with her. And then we start having deeper conversation. Any married people in the room know what I'm talking about? You can get into that rhythm, right? And you just have this super level, this, this, this superficial level of conversation. But then sometimes you got to pause and start digging a bit. And I believe that the depth of our prayer really is, it is in the depth of our relationship. When we have a consistent lifestyle of prayer, our relationship with God goes deeper. When we have a consistent lifestyle of prayer, our relationship with God goes deeper. And just like a longstanding relationship, it doesn't take much from you to get on the same page. How many got some good, good friends? Like, like how many got really good friends? Like, you, you, when you, it's not that superficial. You know, on a minute ago, I talked about those friends that you constantly got to catch up with. I'm talking about those friends that are so good that every time you pick up the phone and call them or text or whatever it is, it's like, it's like you never left each other. You just pick up right where you left off. That conversation keeps going. And how many in those good relationships, it don't take much for you to get on the same page, right? Just a certain look, and you're just laughing, right? I mean, just a nudge. It's, a, it's the way you look at something. It's the way you, you, you might say something that no one else in the room understands, but, but you and your friend, you and your girl, you know what you're talking about. That was the thing you were joking about last week. There's depth to that relationship. And when you've got depth in your relationship, it doesn't take much for you to get on the same page. And I really feel it's like that with God. I really do. I really feel like it's like that with the Holy Spirit because the more time you spend with him, it doesn't take much for you to hear him. It doesn't take much for you to understand him. It doesn't take much at all because you're in this constant communication with God. There is some depth to your prayer life. And because you have been with God, you feel the Holy Spirit nudge you and you react to that. How many of you know what I'm talking about in this room? How many of you been somewhere and at the most unlikely time, Holy Spirit talked to you and you're like, oh, okay. You already know what I'm talking about. And it's not spooky. I hope I'm not freaking some of you out. You're like, okay, God talks to this guy. Uh, Yes, he does. And yes, we believe that. And I'm hoping to unpack some more of that in the weeks to come. But when you're in this constant communication with God, how many does it take much for him to just nudge you? I remember my first job. How many remember your first jobs? Anybody got some funny first jobs? You want to know where Pastor Josh's first job was? Cinnabon. My God. What you know about the Barry Bond? Barry Bond's amazing with the Dr. Pepper. Where's Pastor Phil? There he is. If you guys didn't know that, Pastor Phil and I, um, we go back a long ways, and he would call me, or because, um, I mean, there's no texting back then. I mean, it's like we had pagers, all right? We didn't have cell phones like y'all kids got, so, but like, you know, he would like text me, and in, in numerics put like Barry Bond, and that meant Pastor Phil was on his way to the mall, and he expected me to hook him up with a free cinnamon roll and a do large Dr. Pepper, depth right depth it didn't take much all it was was like a text and I knew that Phil was on his way total digression my point being is I remember being at my first job 
and um and I remember um having a conversation with my coworker and she was a she was an amazing girl she's kind of a party animal but a real you get those it got any those wild friends that were just wild but fun you know what I mean you're like you really need Jesus but you're really fun too you know she was like and I remember uh I remember we were working and then I just felt Holy Spirit said today you're gonna witness to her and talk to her about me. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 wrong girl, wrong girl. I, she's in the party scene. She's, she's not in the church scene. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit was nudging me. You're going to speak to her. You're going to talk to her. I need you to talk to her. And sure enough, sure enough, the opportunity presented itself. And I don't even remember her name. I'm 10, I was 16 years old, first job. And, and I, I found myself talking to her and come to find out that she had left a church of Pentecostal roots. I mean, the same same roots as me, and she started telling me all about her story, about how she had left the Pentecostal church, and she's crying there at work. We're having a moment, and she's just like bawling her eyes out. I'm beginning to tell her that Jesus loves her. I'm beginning to tell her that God loves her, and she's having this moment right there over a Cinnabon, y'all. But that's how Holy Spirit moves. He can just nudge you, and you know you've got to react. The same way, the same way you just look at your friend and you give him a little look and you know what to do. That's just the way the Holy Spirit works on you as well. And when you have that consistent lifestyle of prayer, it's going to develop some depth in your relationship with him. And God will start talking to you and put you in position and align you with people. And he is going to use you to really impact people. But you need to have an ear to hear him, which only happens through a consistent prayer life, through a consistent prayer life. So he's looking for consistency and he's looking for depth. So you're saying, hopefully, okay, Pastor Josh, so far I'm tracking with you. I need to pray more and I need to get and I need to um, develop some depth. So how do I do that? I want to go to Mark chapter 1 verse 35 and uh, I'm not too far from closing now. Just a few more verses that I want to read to you. And Mark chapter 1 verse 35, it really teaches us how we should pray. And I want to leave you with this because tomorrow we are praying as a church. 21 days starts tomorrow. And so it says in Mark 1 35, very early in the morning, okay, this is talking about Jesus. While it was dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So how do I develop a consistent lifestyle of prayer? Number one, you need to have a certain time. Tell your neighbor, you need to have a certain time. You don't pray when you find time. Okay? You make time. I don't know what your system is. Jesus had a system. Very early in the morning, that's when he would pray. I think that's a great time to pray, by the way. I think very early in the morning is a great time to pray. I think I, I, there was an old country preacher that said, before you wake up and check your email, you got to check your knee mail. I know, kind of corny, but you get the point. You get the point. It's cute. It's anecdotal, you know, but it's cliche. You, you got to have a time. And listen, I don't know what your system is for making appointments. What's your system? If it, do you use Google Calendar? It's on your phone. Do you do stickies? Do you got this family calendar? Whatever your system is for remembering your appointments, and you all have a system, you need to start writing in when you're going to pray on your calendar. That's your homework, okay? Put that down. You need to have a certain time where you pray. Because if you think, I'll get to it when I get to it, you're going to be in bed at 9 o'clock. I'm sorry, that's me. That lets you know I've got three boys. You're going to be in bed whatever time you go to bed. And, and you're going to be like, oh, I didn't pray today. Let me roll over and pray real quick. 
You've not made you've not made your prayer time a priority. You've made it an afterthought. You've not made it your first response. You've made it a last priority. And so you need to have a certain time. So the first thing that I want you to do is think about when you're going to pray, and I want you to write that down. If, it, if you keep your calendar by your phone, I literally want you to make an appointment with Jesus. I'm serious. Put that down. I'm going to make an appointment with Jesus. However long it is. For some of you that are just getting started, that might look like five minutes. For some of you that have been doing this for a while, that might look like 30 minutes or an hour. But whatever that time looks like, block it out on your calendar because that's your certain time. That's your certain time. You know what I love about that word certain? Have you ever looked at that word certain in the dictionary? That word certain means not likely to bend, not likely to fall. They'll, they'll, they'll use that term in construction. There's a wall, and they'll say, it's kind of old school, but they'll say this wall is certain, meaning it's not likely to bend. You have to have a certain time, and when it's programmed in, you're not likely to bend on that time. When you've made it an established time, it's a certain time. That's the time you're going to talk to God. You've put it on your calendar. You've made it a priority. Maybe it's early in the morning. Maybe it's late at night. But whatever it is, you have to have a certain time. The second thing you need, you need to have a certain place. Everybody say a certain place. Jesus went off to a solitary place where he prayed, prayed consistently. This is continual. Jesus went to a place where it was, um, Jesus went to a place that he consistently prayed at. Um, you know, there's a reason they call it a prayer closet. Do you have a space in your house that you pray in? If not, tonight, before you go to bed, you're going to establish a prayer place. Because there's something about that place that when you go there consistently, it's going to remind you, it's going to draw you in to this is the place where you have a conversation with God. It's a certain time and it is a certain place. It's the place that you pray. When you are home, this is where you go. I've seen some people literally convert their closets into a prayer place. A friend of mine, he, uh, he, he bought a new house. He let me tour his house. And it was beautiful. He took me in to his closet. It was one of those walk-ins, and he had all of his side of the, uh, one side of the closet was all of his clothes. The next side of the closet was all of his wife's clothes. But when you walk straight forward, they just had pictures in the, the wall of the closet uh, of scriptures. And there was a bench where they kneeled and they prayed. And they had just different things there that, that, that set the atmosphere that this is my place of prayer. Isn't that beautiful? You need to have a prayer place. Find a place at your house that is going to be your prayer place. And if it's not a place at your house, if you're going to if you're going to walk with God and talk to God, because that's totally okay too. If your time to, to to pray is in a walk with God, then make sure you make sure you have this path or you have this routine, you have this rhythm. But it's a certain time and it's a certain place. And lastly, you need to have a certain plan. You need to have a plan. This is how I really want to help you. Too many of you go to your knees in prayer and you don't even know what you're about to pray about. Just Time to pray. Go into that thing with a plan. I, I want you to go into that thing knowing what you want to talk about. And over the next three weeks, I'm going to give you different types of plans, okay? Starting next week, I'm going to present one plan. I'm going to send you out of here with a quick little plan as we close. But, but there is a way that you need to pray. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5, 7, and 9. I'm not going to read the entire passage, but I'm going to read some excerpts to let you know that you got to have a plan for prayer. Jesus said this when he was talking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. He said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. And then in verse 7, he said, when you pray, don't babble on like the Gentiles do. And then he gets to verse 9. He says, but when you pray, pray like this. Notice, there was a plan. He even told them, this is not the way you do it. And this is not the way you do it. This is the way you do it. So not only do you have a certain time and a certain place, but you have to have a certain plan. 
And Jesus continued by teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to unpack the Lord's Prayer next week. I hope you're excited, as excited about that as I am because I think it's an amazing prayer. How many can recite the Lord's Prayer by memory in this room? Show of hands. How many know the Lord's Prayer? Awesome. Awesome. I teach it to my kids. We make them recite it. We make them learn it. We're going to unpack all that. So before Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer, he told them, don't pray like this. And don't pray like this. But I want you to pray like this. What was he saying? You need to have a plan for prayer. And I'm closing now. So over the next 21 days, I would like for you to commit to praying. Listen to me, Lighthouse. This, again, this is the most important, one of the most important things I could do for you as your pastor. I love the Dream Again series. I love all the feedback we've had for the Dream Again series. But this one's going to be special because I'm trying to give you something that for the rest of your life you are going to hang on to. And it starts with 21 days of prayer. So what I want for you to do, this is your homework, y'all. Pick a time where you are regularly going to pray. Make an appointment with God and take the next 21 days to make this a habit. I don't care if it is five minutes Book it in your calendar. That's your God time. That's your God time. And then I want you to put together a plan. Like I said, I'm going to unpack some plans. So I want you to, for the first few weeks, I'm sorry, for the first few days of this week, just do this. When it's your time to meet with God, get into your space, bring a journal out. I think journals are so, so productive to take with you in prayer. You bring your phone with you, you get distracted. You get a notification. You get a text message. It's going to take you out of your flow. So I think journals are so cool to have. Take your journal in with you and start thinking about what you want to pray about. Start thinking about what, what do I want to pray about? What's going on in life that I should pray about? So this is, the, this is how I want you to approach prayer this week. You bring your journal in with you. You sit down. Don't go into prayer yet. Just start thinking, what do I want to pray about today? Write those things down. And after you've written those things down, begin to pray. And it's okay to stop and look at your notes. If you forget, what else was I supposed to pray for? Go back to your notes. Because the prayer isn't wrong if your eyes are open. Okay? It doesn't matter if your eyes are open or if your eyes are closed. But I want you to get into that time. Think about what you want to pray about. Jot those things down. And then begin to pray those things. We're going to do that Monday through Saturday of this week. And here's the next thing that I'm going to ask you to do. Next Sunday, starting next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. 8.30 in the morning, we're going to gather here for prayer. All of you. I'm sorry, not 8.30 in the morning. 9.30 in the morning. My apologies. 9.30 in the morning. I was thinking of our South Campus. They gather at 8.30. Y'all get an extra hour of sleep. You're welcome. <laughs> 9.30 in the morning, we're going to gather here for prayer. 30 minutes before the start of service. I would love to see you all here. For those of you that are in the dream team, you already know what this is all about. We get together at 9 in the morning. If you're serving that day, we come together at 9. We do devotion. We sing. We worship. We pray. We take communion. It's a beautiful time that we have um, devotion together. But next week, I would love to see all of you that are going to go with us on this prayer journey for the next 21 days to meet us here at 8.30 in the morning. We're going to curb a little bit of what we do. It won't, we won't have some of that pre-roll music that we normally have in here. I'm going to have one of our pastors in here leading you in prayer. If you're like, man, I don't even know how to pray, more of the reason that you should be here next Sunday at 8.30 in the at 9.30 in the morning, okay? So the next three Sundays, for the next three weeks, we're going to gather here, and at 9.30 in the morning, we are going to pray together. Doesn't that sound amazing? I don't know about you, but I'm fired up about prayer. I'm just so fired up about, as a church, taking that next step. We're a brand new church. We're four months old, and there's a lot of things that we are doing right as a church. I'm so proud of all of you. But listen to me. 
if we don't get this right as a church, nothing we do, listen to me, nothing we do is going to be on the right foundation. Did you catch that? The foundation of Lighthouse Church is not going to be on amazing music, and we got amazing music. The foundation of this church is not going to be on production and lights and screens. And I love the toys that we have here at this church. The foundation of this church is going to be a foundation of prayer. And for the next 21 days, we are going to pray together as a community. And then after that is over, we are going to launch a brand new prayer team because we're going to take prayer to the next level here as a church. I'm so excited. I've just been studying up all about prayer teams. How do we build a prayer team? I've been looking at different resources, but we're going to use the next 21 days to get us going in prayer. And then we're going to launch a prayer team. I'm telling you guys, get ready because this city is going to be so impacted because there is a community that is going to be praying. Come on. How many believe that things happen when we pray how many believe that things change when we pray how many believe that chains are broken when we pray how many believe that God can heal things when we pray how many believe that the atmosphere can change when we pray I believe it I believe it and so we are going to do that together as a church I cannot wait something big is going to hit this city I just feel my faith elevating even as I'm talking about it right now something big is going to hit the city of San Marcos and I'm telling you it begins with prayer we're going to look back at the month of August and we're going to say you know we had a good start as a church we had some baptisms we had some amazing services we had a worship night but something happened in the month of August when the church made prayer a priority something happened in the month of August we can't describe it it was something supernatural and it had nothing to do with production it had nothing to do with social media it had nothing to do with the things that make churches cool but it had everything to do with prayer it had everything to do with the move of God. It was a sovereign thing. And we tapped into the spirit of God. And we did it through prayer. I believe that lighthouse. And I don't know if you believe it. But I just need a few of you to get your faith to agree with my faith. To believe that something supernatural can happen in this city. Something supernatural can happen in this county. And it's going to be done by prayer. Would you stand to your feet right now? If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.